Wonderful. Well, hello. <laughs> it is so great to be with you today. We have been so looking forward to this. It's a family event, as you know. We've brought our kids with us and our extended family, which is Ali and Lorna, who pastor uh, one of our sites, which is the Peterhead site with Ellie. And uh, we've been looking forward to this moment for a long time. Um, I just want to take a moment just to... I know you know this already, but Menno is a wonderful leader, isn't he? He really is. Um, and, and you guys are really, really blessed to have him as your leader. And uh, we, we want to say thank you, Menno. You, you, we look up to you, and one day we hope to become more like you. Uh, you, you are fantastic. Um, we really love this thing that you've just spoken on, Menno, risk. We absolutely love it. It's kind of, I guess, in the DNA of who Chuck and I are. Um, and it's kind of a part of, I guess, our church's DNA as well for Catalyst Vineyard. And the um, ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this theme that you have. And we thought that we would address this theme with four words that the Lord has spoken to us um, about and has really shaped our church's life. And so the for this first session, I want to speak on the word come. Come. Because there are seasons in our lives, aren't there? These big and these small moments. These uh, regularly occurring moments in our everyday lives where we're faced. We're faced with two options. Either the option of pressing forward or holding back. Of leaning in or walking away. Of risking it all. Or letting it all go, running away from it. And I can pretty much guarantee that for most people today who are in this room, you are probably facing one of these moments. You will either be in one of three places. You're smack bang in the middle of something right now. Or you're about to head into something. Or you're coming out the other end of something. And um, it's in these particular times, in these particular moments, that we get to see who God is. We get to experience more of who he is because he wants us to know him more. He wants to come and reveal himself to us. He wants to make himself known in intimate, beautiful ways. He wants to show us not only his power, not only his glory, not only his splendor, but his care, his love and his tenderness. And it's always in these times, irrespectively if, of if you're going into something, you're heading into something, you're smack bang in the middle of it, or you're walking out of it, that we have a decision to make. Is faith going to win or is fear going to win? And sometimes faith wins. 
Fear rises in us, but it is overtaken by faith as faith rises over and above it. And then other times, fear wins, doesn't it? It rises up and it grips us and it takes hold of sometimes our bodies, definitely our minds, our thinking. It can overcome us like a black fog almost. Sometimes it can literally freeze us to the spot and cause us to become stuck. And I don't know about you, but if you are anything like me, then you'll probably find yourself living in more of the latter. Too often, we live with more fear than faith, where we doubt, where we second guess our calling, our gifting, our abilities. We question our worthiness before the Lord and his calling over our life. We struggle with fear surrounding all sorts of different areas in our lives, our insecurities, our capabilities. And then what happens nine times out of 10, we often open up that well-used door of comparison. And we start walking down that path of comparison. And then what happens, that whisper of the enemy reminding us, whispering in our ear. And before long, we find that fear has kept us stuck. It's holding us back. It's stopping us from pressing in and moving forward, dreaming bigger, going deeper, exposing our vulnerabilities. Talking about things that are actually really difficult, personally, the hidden stuff in our lives. It stops us saying, yes, more Lord, I'm up for it. I wonder what would happen if fear was downgraded in our lives. I wonder what would happen if fear completely lost its grip over us. Because the reality is that none of us, none of us want to allow fear to stop us from pushing into all that the Lord has got for us. None of us want to allow fear to stop us from saying yes, reaching higher, going for it, going across the photocopier machine and saying to someone, can I pray for you? None of us want fear to stop us from showing the weaknesses, the vulnerabilities, abilities, opening up about some sinful habits in our life that are keeping us bound. None of us want that. I don't want fear to stop me from hiding my insecurities or allowing the negative rhetoric that so, can so easily go on over in our minds, in our heads to become a false truth that suddenly I am believing and I'm partnering with and, and it's suddenly sunk into my heart. So today I want us to look at what would it be like for us as individuals and also us as a vineyard family to have more faith and less fear in our lives. You with me? What would it look like for Jesus to say, come? And we say, yes. What would it look like for him to say, come? And we immediately follow. For him to say, come, and we lay everything down in order to follow him. For him to say, come, and we step out in faith towards him. I feel that one of the greatest threats to Christianity in the, rest, in the West right now 
is that we, the church, will fail to see that our identity in Jesus and the fulfilling of the call that God has placed in our lives is not under an external threat, but it's actually under an internal one. Because you can bet your bottom dollar that the enemy does not want to see a church that is fearless. He wants to see a church that is fearful. He wants to see a church that is bound, that is stuck, that is not moving forward. He doesn't want to see us gossiping the gospel. He doesn't want to see us ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to see us bringing a prophetic word to a stranger on the street. He doesn't want to see us inviting our friends and our neighbours to Alpha or to uh, a church service or for us just to even say, can I just tell you what Jesus has done in my life and the impact that he has had on my life. Can I just explain what Jesus means to me? He doesn't want us to be doing any of that. Of course he doesn't. He wants to see a church that is scared, insecure and fearful. Why? So that we no longer become a threat to the powers of darkness. Friends, it is fear. It is fear that the enemy will, will use more than anything else. He will use fear to cripple us and to stop us doing all that the Lord has called us to do. Now, this issue of fear is so important that all the way through the Bible, about 300 times, the Bible says over and over again in different ways, fear not for I am with you. Do not be afraid. Be fearless. Fear not, for I am your God. Fear not, for I will strengthen you and I will help you. And God, he wants to say today the exact same thing to us all. It's so important and it's so critical to him that when it gets to the New Testament, there is Paul and he's writing to a young guy called Timothy. And he's saying to Timothy, this is what you need to know, Timothy. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you one of power, of love and of self-control. Our God does not give us fear, friends. He gives us many beautiful and wonderful gifts, but fear is not one of them. He will never take fear, parcel it up, put it in a box, put a nice big bow across it and hand it to us. He will never, ever do that. And so today we are going to be in the Gospel of Matthew and we're going to look at chapter 14. And we're going to look at one of my favourite people, Peter. So if you have a Bible with you, we're in, we're going to read from verse 22 of chapter 14. I'm going to read it out so you'll be all right, but you might want to follow along. This is what it says. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, 
Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. So Jesus, just before this passage, Jesus has just performed this incredible miracle of feeding the 5,000 plus, well, that was 5,000 men plus women and children with, as we know, some small loaves and fish. And he then immediately makes the disciples get into this boat and head over to Capernaum, where he then dismisses the crowd and he goes up to the mountainside to pray. Now, in two out of the three accounts in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark and John, we see both in Matthew and Mark this one word where it says Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. So here's Jesus. He's forcing, he's compelling, he's urging his friends, the disciples, to get into the boat. Now I've got to confess to you that I have never seen this before. Because this passage is all about getting out of the boat, right? It's not about getting into the boat. At least I didn't think it was. How many times have we heard, all you need to do is get out of the boat? I've never heard a preach on, you need to get into the boat. But there it is. So why do you think Jesus had to make his disciples get into the boat? Maybe it was because they were tired and they didn't want to go on a long journey. Maybe it was because they knew Jesus wasn't coming with them. Or maybe it was because they were fishermen and they could see a storm was coming. They could see the sea starting to whip up and the wind starting to um, get stronger around them. The disciples are making, sorry, Jesus is making the disciples get into a boat, not only without him, but also while the waters are rising and the wind is whipping around them. He's making them head into a storm, friends, and they didn't want to go. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to face the storm. They're fishermen. They know what a storm is like. They didn't want to be hit head on by the wind and the waves. They didn't want to have any kind of dangerous crossing. Point number one, getting into the boat is just as difficult as getting out of it. But here's what I love. Despite all of that, the disciples still got in the boat. They still got into the boat. Friends, don't ever underestimate the power of getting into the boat. Because it takes as much faith to get into the boat as it does to get out of the boat. And you know what? We can't ever get out of a boat that we've never got into in the first place, right? 
We can't ever ex- experience those walking on water moments with Jesus if our feet have never left dry land. We won't ever get to see our faith rise and fear fall if we never make the decision to get into the boat. And for some people here today, I really believe that this could be a word for you. And that is it's time to get into the boat. (laughs) You need to get into the boat. And for some of you, it's time to get back into the boat. Maybe you've crossed over. And you think, well, that's me, I'm done. No, no, no. It's time to get back into the boat. It's time to step into all you know God has called you to do. And I mean plant both feet very firmly into the middle of the boat. Not one foot out and one foot in. That's not very comfortable and you're certainly not going to get any far. You're just going to do the splits in a very uncomfortable way. None of us want that. Allow the Holy Spirit to grow and rise up faith within you. Allow him to do that so that you can say yes to him again. Say yes to his call. Yes to his will. Despite the storm of insecurities that might be circling around you right now. Despite the fear of failing that could be howling around you, despite the waves of unworthiness crashing over you, it's time to get into the boat. All of us know that following Jesus, the call of Jesus is often not an easy thing, don't we? We know that. And sometimes it can feel like all the forces of nature and the world are opposing us when we follow Jesus and we do his will, but do his will anyway. Do his will anyway, step into the storm anyway, get into the boat anyway, push out from the shore anyway. For the spirit that God has given us is not a spirit of timidity, But he gives us power, he gives us love, and he gives us self-discipline. So they're the disciples that are. And in obedience, they're in the boat. Yet they're struggling. They're struggling away because there's the storm and they're being pounded by the wind and the waves. It's pitch black. The rain is pelting upon them. It's not yet dawn. And then Jesus comes. Verse 24. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So for hours, there the disciples are, just struggling under the power of this storm. They would have felt exhausted. They would have felt alone. They were far away from the shore where Jesus had left them. Maybe they were even questioning, well, where are you, Lord? Where where are you, Jesus? Where are you when we need you? That's probably a familiar cry, isn't it? I'm sure many of us have questioned that and asked that at times. Maybe particularly over these last few years. These few years that have been incredibly tough. And then suddenly there Jesus is. 
There he is. When they least expected him, there he is. And Jesus comes to them when they're full of fear and they're terrified. And what does he say? Verse 27, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I love those words. Just take a moment. Just let those words just sink deep into you right now. Into your heart, into your mind, into your body. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, would you just seal that into us? Seal that in afresh today. It is I. So um, a couple of years ago, uh, my dad turned 50. No, 60. <laughs> Get it right. Oh, 70. He turned 70. <laughs> Seven. I'm, I'm terrible with figures. Terrible, terrible. Anyway, okay, so he was 70. And for his 70th birthday, he wanted us to... Um, they live in Devon in England and he wanted us to bring the family down to Devon where my brother and his family were and they'd hired um, a couple of mobile homes on this beautiful caravan park overlooking the sea and we were right on the cliffs and it was stunning. But one night there was a terrible, terrible storm and um, the caravan was rocking horrendously and not in a good way, I can tell you. <laughs> Sorry, drop that in there. <laughs> not in a good way. The wind was howling, it was absolutely awful, and I was having visions of the waves getting so high up that they were going to come over the caravan and drag the caravan into the sea. That's how my mind works. And there I am, I'm tucked up in this lovely, cosy bed, warm caravan, and I'm thinking, any minute now, there's going to be an emergency evacuation. I'm going to get a knock on the door. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking... What are the things that I want to take, besides obviously my children and Chuck, that I need to grab quickly before we get out of the caravan? Seriously though, I was absolutely gripped by fear and that was me tucked up in a lovely warm bed in a lovely warm caravan. Here, the disciples on the other hand, they're in the middle of the lake, in the pitch black with amidst this terrifying storm, with the wind blowing a gale, a hooli. Have you ever heard the word hooli? We say that in Scotland, blowing a hooli, and the waves pelting over them. And this is Peter's response to Jesus, and I think it's absolutely wild. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. What an absolutely mind-blowing response. I just imagine him shouting it over the wind and the rain as he's trying to keep his balance, as he's trying to stand on the boat and he's being buffeted and he's just like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Tell me to come. There he is. See how quickly his fear has been replaced with faith. The minute he sees Jesus, Peter's instinct is to get to be where Jesus is. That's all he can think of. 
Now, Peter's question to Jesus isn't about him doing an identity check, checking that it's Jesus. He's not doubting that it really is Jesus. No, this is Peter's declaration of faith to Jesus. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come and I will come. I'll come to you on that water. I'll come to you in that storm. I'm coming to you. And Jesus' response, he says just one word, come, come. And in that moment, Peter understood the power that this one word holds. It is the same command that had caused his whole life to be transformed. It is the same command, the same call that Jesus used the very first time he met Peter as he was casting a net into a lake. Come. Point number two, regardless of the situation, be a people who always come when he calls. Even when you're in the middle of a storm. Even when your situation just seems too big, too much, too hairy, too scary, too impossible. Even when your failures appear to be too big or our sin too heavy or our shame too burdensome or our worthlessness too consuming. Peter could have looked around him. He could have looked at his circumstances. He could have looked and full of fear said, the storm's too big. The situation's too impossible. The waters are rising all around me. I'm only a man. It's not possible for me to come. I can't walk on water. I'll drown. I believe this is a word for us, friends. So often we want God to come in and fix our problems. We want him to come and calm the storm. We want him to immediately bring peace to the raging waters around us so that they cease before we go to Jesus. Yet in the middle of the crashing waves, God had a word for Peter and he has a word for us as well. He wants to take us deeper in, into him. He wants us to follow him in faith. No matter how big our storm is, no matter how we might feel, And so in faith, Peter chose to obey the command of his God. And in faith, he went because Jesus simply said, come. And many times I've heard the whisper of, and sometimes actually the the loud voice of the Lord calling me to come. When I was six years old, I heard his voice for the first time. And I gave my life to Jesus. When I was 15, I was studying for exams, mock exams. And um, I became terribly unwell, seriously ill and was taken to hospital. And I had a kidney disease. And so part of that meant that my body, um, I retained water so much so that I was like three times the size of um, what I was. And to the point where my face also was so puffy that you couldn't see the bridge of my nose. And I was in a a mess, physically in a mess, but I was incredibly lonely. My friends hadn't been around me at all. 
And they came for one visit to the hospital and that's where they saw me looking like that. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. So they left. And I felt terrible, as you can imagine. I was in a really bad place, both physically and emotionally. And through the pain of that isolation, I heard the whisper of Jesus to come. To come and to hand my pain to him. To come and to bring my loneliness and the areas in my life that are carrying shame and pain and hand them to him so that he could start bringing his truth and his healing and his freedom as I began a journey with him. Then there was the come to lead a church. That was a shock. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. And then the call to feed his sheep. The very loud call that kept on getting louder and louder. The more I resisted and the more I ran away and the more I hid from it. Till eventually, over the years, the voice kept getting louder and louder. And I had eventually just had to say, okay, no more. I surrender. I'll do what you want. I'll preach. I remember one day it got so loud, I was taking the washing up to the bedrooms. And as I was climbing the stairs, every step, all I could hear was, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. It was exhausting. I had run away from it. I had literally hidden from it. I just did not want to do it. That was the reality. I was riddled with insecurity. I still carry a lot of insecurity, fear and failure of messing up, having all eyes on you. It's quite scary. For me, I was petrified. I did not want to do it. I didn't want to do it. But the Lord just kept saying, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And so I surrendered. The remedy for fear is faith. The antidote to ignoring, running, hiding, doing anything you possibly can. Getting away from the call of God is obedience to come. To come. That one foot in front of the other, obedience. That when you feel it and when you don't, obedience. That in season and out of season, obedience. Obedience that says yes when really you want to say no. Or I can't, I won't, it's too hard. You see, when Jesus calls you to come, obey him. When he commands you to come, Obey him. When he whispers you to come, obey him. Jesus told Peter to come to him on the water, even though it made no sense. Peter did what Jesus said. He did it. Come, Jesus calls to Peter. Verse 29, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. 
Last point, point point number three. Be a people who always leave faith-filled footprints all across your nations. Vineyard, when the call to come is given, don't stay in the boat. Always be a people that get out of the boat. Always be a people to dare to do what seems impossible. Always be a people who allow ourselves to step into the waves of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we, the church, are to significantly advance the call of Jesus across our nations, exactly what Menno was talking about earlier, which we so desperately need, don't we? then when Jesus calls, we have to step out. We have to do it. We have to get out of the boat. Even if we're in the midst of a storm, we have to do it. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, this is Peter, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. He caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? Now there is this word in this whole passage that I find incredibly intriguing. And the word is beginning. Have you ever seen someone beginning to sink? It's not possible, is it? So we've got three kids, two of our kids are here, but our eldest kid, uh, well, he's an adult now, he's 19. And when he was four, we were in France, Again, static caravan. We like static caravans. We were having a holiday in France, and my dad took Kaya fishing in this lake. And, and my dad said that Kaya just stood on the bank for quite a long time, enjoying, you know, holding his little rod. And then, for whatever reason, he decided that he was going to step off the bank and he went straight down into the lake. One minute he was there, one minute he was completely submersed in water. And so my dad had to like, literally hoik him back up and he's absolutely so soaking wet. And so he's walking towards the caravan and I'm outside sunbathing on the deck. I'm like, Kaya, what's happened to you? He's absolutely sopping. And he just says, I sunk. I sunk. Can you see that even though Peter was beginning to sink, something miraculous was still happening to him? Even though he'd taken his eyes off Jesus, even though he was afraid, even though he was suddenly full of fear about his situation, he did not sink. He did not sink. Nobody has ever begun to sink in water before. It's not possible. We go kaplunk. One minute we're on dry land, the next minute we're submerged. Kaplunk. That's what happens. We don't begin to sink. And the truth is, God will never leave us to go kaplunk. He will never leave us to plunge to the depths of the ocean. He didn't with Peter and he's not going to with us. He never leaves us. He is always, always with us, right there, through the storm. And notice this, the second Peter cried out, immediately what happens? Jesus caught him. He's got him. Jesus does that for us too. The second we cry out, there he is. He catches us. 
stepping out of the boat, stepping out into the realm of the supernatural. It's stepping out into the realm of God, where God is with us and he underpins us and he undergrids us. Stepping out onto the boat is where Jesus holds us up. Friends, the Lord is looking for many more Peters. Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, they all need many, many more Peters. Men and women who will step out of the boat. Out of the boat in confidence, not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he has done and what he will do. So let's try and stop saying or being too quick to say, no, I can't, I won't. It's too hard, it's too hairy, it's too scary, it's too impossible, it's too outrageous. It's overall just no. Deal? Because the call on us is to live a life where we can't walk where he wants us to walk unless he's holding us up, right? Don't observe others doing it. Lead others to do it. If we stumble, if we fall, if we begin to sink, he's got us. He'll hold us up. He catches us. So Jesus, he catches Peter and there he is and he's holding him up. And I like to think like they're standing opposite each other like this. Still the storm going about. It's absolutely crazy. And there they are. And right in the middle of the storm, as, as they're looking at each other, Jesus just says to Peter, you have little faith, Peter. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And Peter doesn't have an answer. I wonder why. I wonder why. Maybe it's because it's really difficult to have an answer when you've just been walking on water with Jesus. Why don't we stand? Just increase what you're doing, Holy Spirit, we pray. Just come. just love to pray for people today. I'd love to pray for people. Either you know you need to get into the boat or you know you need to get out of the boat <laughs> and walk on water. But you know there are things that you have been saying no to the Lord to. There are things that you've been resisting. There are things maybe you've been hiding from. Maybe you could even go as far as say, I've been disobedient in this. But we would love to pray for you that the Lord would come into those fearful parts in us and he would set us free and he would give us a bigger picture of who he is and he would speak to you today and he would release you to be able to just do the next step that he's asking of you. So if that is you, would you like to come to the front and we can pray for you? We'd love to do that. Why don't you come now?
Wonderful. It'd be great if we could have some people to pray. Let me just pray. Father God, we thank you. And we just ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would break fear in Jesus' name. You would break the power of fear. That you would come and that you would bring your freedom. That you would come and meet them in the place as they surrender to you. That you would come and fill them. That you would come and bring vision and adventure and excitement. And where they see impossibility, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bring possibility to them right now. We release gifts in Jesus' name. There's many of you here, you have not been walking in the gifts that the Lord has given you. And so we fan those by the Holy Spirit. We ask, Holy Spirit, will you fan them into flames? Would you release them, Jesus? The power of God, the anointing of the Lord to fall upon you. And it would be great if we could have some more people to pray. We need some more men and women. That would be wonderful. Wonderful. Another lady here would be great. Another guy over here. Tijdens de aanbidding zag ik een, uh, een beeld uh, van honing. Dat we in een, in een plek zijn, zeg maar, in een fysieke plek waar honing van de muur afdroop. En ik vroeg aan de heer wat het zou kunnen betekenen. En het komt natuurlijk voor in het verhaal van Johannes de Doper. Dat hij in een, in een droge plek, een plek waar God hem geroepen heeft, maar een moeilijke plek, een zware plek, gevoed wordt. Op een bovennatuurlijke manier. Met dingen die hij nodig heeft om vol te houden in die plek. En... Uh, nou, ik vroeg aan de heer, is er nog meer? En toen zag ik dat de heer zelf aanwezig is met olie, om mensen te zalven. En uh, ik had het idee dat de heer zei, I am the lover of your soul. I am the lover of your soul. Dus als jij in een plek bent waar je, waar je genezing nodig hebt. Misschien heb je tot nu toe wel gevraagd om volharding, om vol te kunnen houden. Maar datgene waar je in zit, heeft je ook verwond. En heeft je onzeker gemaakt, dan is de heer hier ook om je... Ja, om je ziel zeg maar, aan te raken en te herstellen met zijn olie. En ik had het idee dat de Heer een aanmoediging wil geven aan sommigen om niet te wachten. Je weet waar het over gaat. Wacht niet tot morgen. Jij bepaalt het tempo. Jij bepaalt op een bepaalde manier de diepte van wat er deze twee dagen gaat gebeuren. Dus kom het halen bij Jezus. Dank je wel. Als de band beschikbaar is, kom alsjeblieft... Naar je instrumenten terug dan. Uh, 
En ondertussen, als je nog meer gebed wilt hebben, als er nog meer mensen zijn die gebed willen hebben, dan kom gewoon naar voren. Ik had nog de indruk dat er zijn één of twee mensen die uh, uh, reserve voelen om zogezegd weer in de boot te stappen, omdat ze zichzelf hebben bezeerd in eerdere momenten van uitstappen in bediening. En je hebt eigenlijk een stukje genezing van vertrouwen nodig. En als je dat herkent, dan wil ik je vragen of je ook wilt komen en gebed wilt ontvangen, alsjeblieft. Dat, ja, een stukje genezingsbediening voor je ziel. Mogen meemaken samen.